From the KTOO Newsroom in Juneau, I'm Yvonne Cremery. Good afternoon. Southeast communities felt the shudder of two earthquakes last Friday evening. The pair of magnitude 5-plus quakes happened about 45 minutes apart near Glacier Bay National Park, and more than three dozen smaller aftershocks followed through the weekend. People as far away as Juneau and Whitehorse felt them. Alaska Earthquake Center seismologist Natalia Rupert says modern quakes like this are not surprising for the region. These are common, although they are infrequent, maybe once every uh, three, four years. So it kind of fades away from people's minds. Over the past decade, a few significant quakes have shaken southeast Alaska. Most recently, in 2017, a pair of magnitude 6-plus quakes near Haines caused some damage in Whitehorse. Quakes in southeast Alaska often happen near two faults. The Denali Fault, which extends south from the Alaska Range through southeast Alaska, and the Fairweather Fault, which runs along the coast. In this case, the quakes came from a strip of land between the two. Both are strike-slip faults, fractures between two pieces of earth that move horizontally. The earth on either side of the fault moves at different rates. Rupert said it's like two cars driving at slightly different speeds in parallel lanes along the highway. If you stretch like a rubber band between those two cars, it would keep stretching, stretching, and that's how the pressure builds up there. Eventually, the metaphorical rubber band breaks, and that's when a quake happens. Residents who felt the earthquake last weekend are encouraged to fill out the Did You Feel It? form from the U.S. Geological Survey to help scientists with their follow-up analysis. Although the Wrangell Institute buildings were leveled more than a decade ago, the school's memory looms large. As the borough moves towards developing the site into housing lots, Many who attended the former boarding school are still trying to cope with the trauma they experienced there. Trauma that's also impacted subsequent generations of Alaska Native people. And for those who worked at boarding schools or whose family members did, it's a heartbreaking and haunting legacy as well. KSTK revisits a healing ceremony near the site that took place as part of a regional Alaska Native clan conference. And a note for listeners, the story contains details of physical abuse. It's an achingly beautiful and surprisingly sunny fall day at Shoemaker Bay Park about five miles south of downtown Wrangell. In many ways, it doesn't look like the site of a former Bureau of Indian Education boarding school. Today, Institute Creek burbles past rows of folding chairs. In the park's covered shelter, logs pop and burn in the fireplace. Dozens of people, some wearing beaded regalia or woven cedar hats, gather around a blue pop-up tent. The mood is contemplative. Dear Creator God, thank you for this time together. Former Alaska Native Sisterhood Grand President Frida Westman gives a prayer of invocation. Please protect us in this moment. Please lend your arms around us. Hold us up with your strength. Help us do this for others. Help us remember, help us remember those affected by this place. Bring back your presence here. Across the highway, the former site of the Wrangell Institute buildings is overgrown with alders. Wrangell's Tlingit clans and tribal government host the healing ceremony. Luella Knapp is of Wrangell's Nanya'ai clan. Be Sean Hunt. We're sorry for what happened to you on this land. As children, we didn't know what was happening, and we grew up here. We also suffered Jocelyn Estes is also Tlingit from Wrangell, a descendant of civil rights leader Tilly Paul Tamari. I just wanted to tell you that my mother was a matron at Wrangell Institute, and I know several of the several of the other people here had relatives who worked at the Institute. And 
I mean, I like to think that she was a good, you know, I like to think that everybody I knew that worked there was a good person. But now I know that's not true. Klingit storyteller Shaguna Stah, Bob Sam, leads the healing ceremony. I'm wearing my regalia because they were taken away from us. And I wanted to wear my regalia on this land of Wrangell Institute so that we could show that we are a living people, that we still know who we are. Sam says he worked as a dorm attendant at another boarding school, Mount Edgecombe, in Sitka. He says he thinks of himself as a good staff member, but he saw things at the school that concerned him. I'm going to ask something that's going to be the hardest thing to do. I'm going to ask you to forgive me, to forgive the staff. Jim LaBelle, whose Nupiak name is Akpayak, spent six years at the Wrangell Institute in the late 1950s and early 1960s. He's spoken out repeatedly about the abuse he endured at the school. One horrifying experience he describes in a letter to a U.S. House committee details a punishment for speaking Alaska Native languages known as the gauntlet. He writes, quote, It became a spectator sport. Little five- and six-year-olds had to disrobe in front of other children who were ordered to hit those running the gauntlet with belts, and as hard as they could, otherwise they were next. When I was forced to run down the line, it was never a single run. It was often two or three times. Unquote. That image stuck with so, Bob Sam. I want to ask you to form these two lines again so that those of us who experienced that to walk through the two lines in the middle with people holding flowers and we will walk towards the light, towards the sun. Wrangell Institute is behind us. LaBelle stands alone at the end of the lines. At this solemn occasion, I'm so grateful for the weather uh, because I, I get to wear my clothes this time. In the two parallel lines from the park to the water, healing ceremony attendees hold daisies of pink, yellow, and white. LaBelle and then others slowly walk down the lines of people toward the ocean, shaking hands, giving hugs, collecting flowers. LaBelle is visibly moved. I'm so glad you pulled. You give me courage. You give me strength. Members of the Yech and Ch'ak Shingit Moiris share songs, a part of the ancient culture of balance and reciprocity. The last song is an exit song, sung at the end of an event, the end of a life, the end of an era. As the crowd disperses, laughter floats up from groups chatting across the park. The weight of the Wrangell Institute's legacy is not gone. But it's been lifted just a little. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. A legal back and forth between the Kodiak Island Borough and the Kodiak Area Native Association over property taxes 
is headed to the Alaska Supreme Court. A Superior Court judge ruled in favor of the association last month. As KMXT's Brian Venwell reports, nearly half a million dollars is on the line. The Kodiak Area Native Association has been paying property taxes despite claiming that the organization should be under a Bureau of Indian Affairs exemption for serving Native people. The Native Association sued the Kodiak Island Borough three years ago to get that money back, and a Superior Court judge ruled in their favor in September. Amy Williams is the borough manager. She says she and the borough assembly disagreed with that ruling. There were a a lot of things that we thought that were an error from the Superior Court level, and so Our lawyer has articulated that. The borough's position is that exemptions don't apply because the facilities serve more than just shareholders. However, nearly half a million dollars have been returned to Canna since the ruling. But the borough is appealing to the state Supreme Court to get those taxes back. Williams says if the appeal goes through, most of that money would likely go towards the school district. Right off the top, 86 cents from every tax dollar that comes into the borough is either going to fund the school district or for school bond debt. The borough assembly has had a lot of turnover since the case began. Three new members were elected just this year. Williams is also new in her position as borough manager. She says it's been difficult keeping everyone up to date on the case and even harder to balance everyone's opinions. The assembly has seven people and a mayor that go into executive session. As you can imagine, there are eight plus me, nine opinions that are, you know, different and looking at it from different reasons. Williams says despite the lawsuit, the Native Association and the borough share the same goal of improving life on the island. As far as I'm concerned, Canna and the Kodiak Island Borough still have a strong working relationship one of the Canada employees asked me to sign a letter of support for a grant they're working on. Of, of course I did, and we're working with them right now on another grant that will have both of our names on it. The Kodiak Area Native Association has since filed a counter-appeal as well. Williams says she still does not know when the state Supreme Court will contact them about the case. In Kodiak, I'm Brian Benoit. This is KTOO.